0: Frankenstein by Mary Woller Stonecroft Goodwin Shelley letter three to mrs Saville, england july seventh seventeen my dear sister i write a few lines in haste to say i am safe and well advanced in my voyage this letter will reach england by a merchantman now on its homeward voyage from Archangel, more fortunate than I, who may not see my native land, perhaps for many years, I am however in good spirits, my men are bold and apparently firm of purpose, nor do the floating sheets of ice that continue past us, indicating the dangers of the region towards which are advancing, appear to dismay them. We have already reached a very high latitude, but it is the height of summer, Although it is not so warm as in England, the southern gales which blow us steadily towards these shores, the shores which I so ardly desired to attain, breathe a degree of renovating warmth which I had not expected. No mischance have hitherto befallen us, but sh- sh- that would make a f- figure in a in a letter. One or two stiff gales is been of a leak or the accidents which the spirits and advertisers scarcely remember to record. I shall be well content if nothing worse happening to us during our voyage. Adieu, my dear Margaret. Be sure that for my own sake, as yours, I will not rashly encounter danger. I will be cool, preservingly, and prudent, but success shall crown my my endeavours. Wherefore not... Thus I afar have gone, tracing a obscure way over the path of the sea, the very stars themselves being witnesses and testimonials to my, of my triumph. Why not still proceed over the untamed yet obedient eminent? What can stop the determined heart and the resolved, or will of a man? My swelling heart involuntarily pours itself out thus, but I must finish. Heaven bless my dear beloved sister R.W. Letter 4 To Mrs. Seville, England, August 5th, 17. So strange an accent has happened to us. I cannot forbear recording it. Although it is more probable that you see me before the papers can come into your possession. Last Monday... July 31st, we were nearby, surrounded by ice, we were closed in the ship on all sides, scarcely leaving her uh, the sea room in which she floated. Our situation was somewhat dangerous, especially as we were compo- compressed around by a very thick fog. We called it later, oh, too, hoping that some change would take place in the atmosphere and weather. but n- about two o'clock the mist carried away beheld stretched out in every direction vast irregular plains of ice was seen to have no end some of my comrades moaned and my mind and began to grow watchfully of anxious thoughts when a sudden sight suddenly strange sights suddenly attracted my attention and diverted our solitude from lo- our own situation. We see the low carriage fixed on a sledge and drawn by dogs pass on to wolves in the north, and a distance and a half a mile, being of which that of the shape of man, apparently a gigantic stature, sat on a sledge and guided the dogs. We watched the rapid progress of the traveller with our set of telescopes until we lost among the decent distant in of the ice, the appearance excited of unqualified wonder. We were, as we believe, many hundred miles from any land, but this apparition seemed to denote that it was not in reality so distant, as we supposed shut in however by ice it was impossible to follow the track, which we observed with greatest attention. About two hours after this occurrence we heard the grand sea. Before the night ice broke and freed our ship, we had... We have a uh, lay it too until in the morning, fearing to encounter the dark, those large loose masses which float about after the breaking up of the ice. I profited of this time to rest for a few hours. In the morning, however, uh, as soon as it was light, I went upon deck and found all the sailors busy one side of the vessel, apparently talking not to one someone in the sea. It was, in fact, a sledge, like we had seen before, which drifted towards us in the light. In a large fragment of ice. Only one dog remained alive, but there was a human being within it, whom the sailors were persuading to enter the vessel. He was not, as the arbitrary seemed to be, a savage Im- 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 inhabitant of some in- undiscovered island, but a European. When they appeared on the deck, the master said, Here is your captain. He will not allow you to perish on the open sea. On perceiving me the stranger addressed me in English, though with a foreign accent. Before I come on board your vessel, he said, he, will you have the kindness to follow me wherever you are bound? You may perceive my astonishment on hearing, which, such a question to me from a man on the brink of destruction to whom I would have supposed, and my vessel would have been a resource which he would not have exchanged for the most precious one that the earth can afford. I replied, however, that we were voyage of discovery towards the northern pole. After hearing this he appeared satisfied and consent to come on board. Good God, Margaret, if you see the man who thus capitulated for his safety, our surprise would have been your prize would have been boundless. His limbs are nearly frozen, your body dreadfully as emancipated by fatigue and suffering. I never saw a man so wretched in the condition. We attempted to carry him into the cabin, but as soon as he quit quitted the fresh air he fainted. We accordingly brought him back to the deck and restored him to determination, by rubbing him with brandy and forcing him to swallow as large a small quality quantity. As soon as he showed signs of life, he wrapped, we wrapped up in blankets and placed him near the chimney of the kitchen stove. By slow degrees, he recovered covered ate a little soup, which restored him wonderfully. Two days passed in this manner before he was able to speak. I often feared that his sufferings had deprived him of standing. When he had some measure, we covered. I removed him to the eye cabin, attended him to which as my duty would me. I never saw a more interesting creature. His eyes were cringling you know, in an expression of wildness, even though even madness. But there were moments when, if anyone performs an act of kindness towards him, or does him any most trifling service? His whole countenance is lightened up, as if it was with a beam of benevolence, sweetness I never saw equalled. But he drily melancholy despairingly, me, and sometimes he gnashes his teeth, as if impatient of the weight of woes that presses him. When my great trouble was a little recovered, I had little great trouble to keep off the men who wished to ask him a thousand questions, but would not allow him to be tormented by their idle curiosity in a state of body and mind whose restoration eventfully depended upon the tireless pose. Once, however, the lieutenant asked why he had come so far upon the ice, in so strange a vehicle, his countenance instantly assumed an aspect of the deepest gloom. Reply to seek one who fled from me? And did the man whom you pursue travel in the same possession? Same fashion? Yes. Then I fancy you've seen him. The day before we picked you up, we saw some dogs drawing a sledge, a man in it, across the ice. This aroused a at stranger's attention. He asked him a multitude of questions concerning the route with which. The demon as he called him had pursued soon after when he was alone with me, he said, "I have doubtless excited your curiosity as well as that of those good these good people, but you are too considerate to make inquiries. Certainly, it would indeed be very impertinent and human in me to trouble you." with any inquisitiveness of mine. Yet you rescued me from a strange and perilous situation. You have benevolently restored me to my life. Soon after this he inquired, if I thought about that the breaking up of the ice had destroyed the other sledge. I replied I could not answer with any degree of certainty, for the ice had not broken until next morning, near midnight. But for the ice had not broken until near midnight. A traveller might have arrived at a place of safety before the time, but of this I could not judge. From this time a new spirit of life emanated, the clean frame of the stranger, he manifested the greatest eagerness to be upon deck to watch for the sledge which had before appeared, but he had persuaded to remain in the cabin, for he too, far too weak to have sustained the rawness of the atmosphere. I promised that someone would watch him for me, for him. It gave him an instant voice if any new object would appear in his sight. Such an, uh, not a journal uh, relates to this strange occurrence. At the present day, the stranger was gradually improved in health, but is very solid and appears uneasy when anyone except myself enters his cabin. Yet his manners are so con- considerating and gentle that sailors are all interested in him. Though they only have had very little communication with him. For my own part I believe begin to love him as a brother. This constant and deep grief fills me with sympathy and compassion. He must have been a noble creature in better days, being about wrecks so attractive and animal. I said in one of my letters, my dear Margaret, I should find no friend on the ocean. Yet I have found a man who before his spirit I had had been broken by misery, I should have been happy to have possessed as a brother of my heart. I shall continue my journey, concerning the stranger, at intervals. Should I have any fresh incidents to record? August thirtieth, seventeen. My affections for my guest increases every day. He excites at once my admiration, admiration and my pity, an astonishing degree how can i be see so noble creature destroyed by misery without feeling most potent grief he is so gentle not yet so wise his mind is so curtailed he, when he speaks as though his words are too cold with a curious art yet they flow with rapidity and unparalleled elegance he is now much recovered from his illness and is continually on the deck, apparently watching for the sledge that preceded his own. Yet although unhappy, he is not so utterly occupied by his own misery, but with interest but he interests himself deeply in the project of others. He is frequently conversed with me on mine which I communicate to him without disguise. He entered attentively all my into all my arguments in favour of my eventual success, to every minute, minute detail, the measures I had taken to secure it, easily led by. I was easily led by the sympathy which he ev- evased, to use the language of my heart, to give utterance to the burning amid of my soul, and to say with all the fervour that w- warned me, how. I gladly I would sacrifice my fortune, my existence, my very hope of the fervour of my enterprise, one man's life or death, were but a small price to pay for the acquirement of the knowledge which I sought for the domination I should acquire to transmit of the eternal foes of our race. As I spoke, a dark gloom spread over my listener's countenance. At first, of seed, he tried to suppress his emotion. He placed his hands before my eyes, before his eyes, and my voice quivered and failed me. I beheld tears tickled fast but between his fingers. A groan burst from his heavy breast. From his heaving breast. I paused. At length, he spoke in broken accents. "Unhappy man, do you share my manners? Have you drunk, and also the in draught? Hear me. Let me reveal my tale, and you will dash the cup from your lips." It's such words you can imagine. Strongly excited my curiosity, but the or the grief that seized him, seized the stranger, overcame his weakened powers. And many hours of repose and tranquil conversation were necessary to restore his composure. Having conquered the violence of his feelings, he appeared to despise himself for being the slave of passion and quelling the dark tyranny of despair. He led at me again to the converse concerning myself personally. He asked me the history of my earlier years, a tale was quickly told, but it awakened with trains of reflection. I spoke of my desire of finding a friend, of my thirst for more intimate sympathy with a fellow mind. Had then, had ever fallen to my lot and expressed my conviction, a man could boast of little happiness who did not enjoy this blessing. I agree with you, replied the stranger. You are unfashioned, we are unfashioned creatures, a half made up, if one not wiser, better, dear, and ourselves, such a friend ought to be to be not do not lend us his aid of perfection. Professionate perfectionate our weak and faulty natures, I am sure I once had a friend, most noble human creatures, I am entitled, therefore, to judge respectfully. friendships you have to you have hope, and the world may be before you. I no cause for despair. May I have lost, but I have lost everything, everything, and cannot begin my life anew, as he said this, his countenance its began, came expressive, look calm a settled grief that touched me to the heart. But he but he was silent, presently retired to his cabin. Even broken in spirit as he is, no one can feel more deeply than he does. The beauties of nature, the starry sky, the sea Every sight afforded by those wonderful regions seemed to have the power of elevating his soul from the earth. Such a man has a double existence. He may suffer misery he, he, and be overwhelmed by disappointment. Yet when he is attired and into himself, he will be like a celestial spirit let of halo around him, within whose circle no grief or folly ventures. Will you smile and enthusiasm, I express concerning this divine wonder. You Would you not if you saw him? You have been tutored, and I we refined by books and retirement for the world, and you are therefore somewhat furious. But this only renders you more fact to appreciate. It truly merits this wonderful man, Sometimes I have endeavoured to discover what quality it is. He possesses it and elevates him so immeasurably above above any person I ever met. I believe it to be intuitive discernment, a quick but never failing power of judgment, penetration into the cause of things, unequaled for cleanness and precision. Add to this facility of expression a voice who was varied in the tones about soul subduing music. August 19th seventeen. Yesterday the stranger said to me, You may easily perceive Captain Walton. I have suffered great and am paralyzed for his fortunes. I am determined at one time that the memory of these evils should die with me, but you have won me to alter my determination. You seek for knowledge and wisdom, I w- as once I did, and utterly hope that the gratification of your happiness may be not be servant to sting you as mine was been, mine had been. I do not know what relationship my disasters would be useful to you yet. When I reflect that you are pursuing the same course, exposing yourself to the same dangers which have rendered me what I am, I imagine that you will deduce an apt moral from my tale, one that may direct you. If you succeed in your undertaking, and console you to case to failure, prepare to hear of occurrences which you usually deemed marvellous, we were among them tamer scenes of nature, where I might fear to counter you your unbelief. Remember, perhaps you your ridicule. You may, but many things have appeared possible in these wild and mysterious regions, which evoke the laughter of those unacquainted. The very, very varied horrors of nature, nor can I doubt that, that my tale conveys a mysterious internal evidence of the truth of events which it is composed. You may may easily imagine that I am much gratified to the offered communication, yet I have not endured. Which, if you knew his grief by rat, title, Miss Filchins. I f- felt the greatest eagerness of to hear a promising na- narrative, partly from curiosity and partly from a strong desire to m, am- his fate, if it were my- in my power. I expressed these feelings in my answer. I thank you," he replied, "for all your sympathy, but it is useless. My fate is nearly near by." nearly fulfilled i wait but for one event and when i shall repose in peace i understand your feeling Continued he perceiving i wish to interrupt him but you are mistaken my friend it is thus that you allow me to name you nothing can alter my destiny listen to my history and you will receive how irrevocably it is determined he told me that what He then told me he would commence his narrative next day when I should be in leisure. This promise drew from me a warmest thanks. I was resolved every night, which I am not imperatively occupied on my duties, to record as nearly as possible his own words what he was related during the day. If I should be engaged, I will at least make notes. This manuscript would doubtless afford you greatest pleasure. But to me, who know, who knew, know him, uh, who hear him from his own lips, heard it from his own lips, of uh, with what interest and sympathy shall I read it? in some future day. Even now, as I commence my task, this full-toned voice swells on my ears, his lustrous eyes swell on me all the melancholy sweetness. I see his thin and hand raised in admonition while the ligaments of his face are eradicated, eradicated by soul within. Strange and harrowing must be his story, frightful in the storm which embraced the gallant vessel, with course and wrecked it thus."